0: on this episode of the break in the game show i am joined by one of the most respected members of the nba draft community he's a part of the locked on podcast network has worked with chad ford on a number of different episodes and that ladies and gentlemen is mr rafael barlow he comes on to talk about my nba mock draft for this year picks 11 through 20 you're not going to want to miss this episode thank you all so much for tuning in we'll be right back with you after this short break <laughs> Hey what's going on everybody welcome to another episode of the break in the game show and today we have a very special guest he is an NBA draft expert uh, according to many people he's even appeared on some shows with the uh, you know Chad Ford well respected in the draft community ladies and gentlemen he is the creator host you know <laughs> overall just man in charge for NBA draft junkies that being Raphael Barlow Raphael how are you doing today brother
1: I'm good, man. How are you?
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me on.
1: Anytime oh, yeah. I can talk NBA draft is fun to me. So
0: I'm doing well. Oh, good man. I appreciate it. You know, you're a first time guest on the show. So a little bit of a feeling out process here, but you know, I'm familiar with your work and you're obviously well respected, you know, by many dra- um draft experts. And this is the second draft that I have, you know, dove deeply into. You know, I'm familiar with the NBA draft and you know, who went where and who's panned out, things of that nature. But, you know, this is the second year that I've kind of put on my analyst hat and seeing how, you know, collegiate players, now G League and international players kind of translate over into the professional ranks. And very, very thrilled and pleased to have you on the show just to kind of see if I'm kind of (laughs) if if I'm in in bounds or not based on where I'm evaluating these prospects according to you. So uh, before we get into evaluation, just want to give you a chance to kind of introduce yourself and some of the projects that you have going on. All right. Well, first of all, I mean, this whole draft thing,
1: (laughs) none of us are really, none of us are really right. I mean, we can have good opinions on different prospects. So it's like when people want me to like analyze their picks, I'm like, well, shoot, if I was the real, real expert, (laughs) I don't know, I'd be (laughs) filthy rich right now because even the guys that are, General managers. I mean, there's only 30 of those jobs in the league, and they swing and miss all the time. So, yep. <laughs> it's those things where I don't even really know if anybody's opinion can be right or wrong. A player at this point in the game. So, just wanted to get that out there. So. If People are looking for super expert analysis, and and for me to be a hundred percent correct. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but um, as far as like my background, I started I started my website. I want to say like maybe 2016. I was living in Istanbul, Turkey. I had nothing but time when I was out there, mm-hmm. and I started the website and. I think I really kind of started picking up a little bit of steam, maybe 2019, 2019 draft. And then last year I started a podcast and that kind of helped, I guess, create a little buzz. And then this year I've been doing, it feels like two or three podcasts a day lately. So I'm just a a guy that enjoys the NBA draft, something that I, I mean, it's not even work for me. Like I can sit and walk videos and take notes and then create video content all day. So it's something that I really enjoy. And this year has been good for me. I, my podcast got picked up by the Locked On Network, which is um, you know, a pretty good platform. They're it's a big to, deal. Yeah, yeah. They're projected to do about 100 million downloads throughout the whole network this year. And then uh, I'm excited about what's what's happening next. The draft is Thursday but I will be hosting a live draft show with Chad Ford. So this is like a really big deal for me. I used to read Chad's work at ESPN, and I knew once I signed with Locked On, we were kind of on the same platform, but then when he reached out to me to be a guest on the show, it was kind of like, whoa, this is, this is big. <laughs> so um, I, we've done, I want to say, like three different podcasts, and then we'll, we'll finally meet face-to-face when we do this show on coming up this week. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it's one of those things where it's, it's like this awesome feeling knowing that your work has been or is getting recognized. So that's where Mm -hmm. I'm at today.
0: And that's awesome, man. And many congratulations. And, you know, a lot of hard work, you know, all the grinding that you do, the research, evaluation, you know, creations, all those things come into a, Coming to a, a recognition of, of pretty sig- a pretty big significance. So that's that's awesome, man. I'm happy for you. And again, thank you so much for your time here. You just said that you're doing about two or three shows a day. Um, yeah. I was very honored that you agreed to come onto the show today. So um, we'll get into it, Raphael. We're going to pick up um, from 11 through 20 today. And um, we're going to start here with the Charlotte Hornets. They're on the clock. And I went ahead and went with Isaiah Jackson, the young big out of Kentucky, you know, 6'10", a little over 200 pounds, um, has the frame, I think, to um, develop into, you know, a pretty solid rotational big, maybe even, you know, an above average big in the league. And if you look at what Charlotte desperately missed last season. Um, it was, you know, the rim protection and the rebounding. I think Isaiah Jackson checks all those boxes. Plus, he flashed the ability to do a little bit more at Kentucky. And Kentucky also has a long history of prospects that don't really get to put their full, you know, <laughs> um, bag on display, so to speak. And uh, maybe Isaiah Jackson has a little bit more that he can do at the next level. What do you think about the fit between Jackson and the Hornets here? I think it's a good fit.
1: And uh, it's funny that you mentioned about the Kentucky players. I was in Miami about two or three weeks ago, and uh, the gym that I was going to create some content at, bam, out of bio was there. So mm-hmm. I had a chance to talk to him. And I'm a Blazers fan. So my first question was, what was it that the Blazers saw in Zach Collins that <laughs> made them draft him over you? And I'm, you know, I, I just mentioned, like, if Bam is in a Portland uniform, it changes the franchise. He covers all of their needs as far as athleticism, as far as like another ball mover, a, you know, a guy that can defend. Yes. Um, Just all the major glaring weaknesses and holes in Portland's offense and defense. Bam would, you know, he covered that. I mean, Bam as your third option, you're a pretty good team. Mm -hmm. And, So I was asking him, I said, was it because you were at Kentucky and you had this skill set that you weren't able to show? Because at Kentucky, the only role that we saw you in as like a rim roller, energy guy, rebounder. And he said, yeah, part of it was he did have some of the skills that he showcased today, but him and some of the other guys that go to Kentucky know going into signing with Calipari that you're going to have to sacrifice. Mm. So I'm like, but I, I get that. You know, I get, you know, when you go to Kentucky, you know you're going to play with possibly two or three other McDonald's All-Americans, but it could be killing your draft stock because you're not really getting a chance to showcase your game. But, again, he said that's that's what he knew going into it. And then he said that if teams would have paid attention to his AU games a little bit or more, you would have saw some of the flashes. Mm-hmm. And so I said all that to say this, what Isaiah Jackson I'm going to have to take like another third look into his film <laughs> and see if there's some flashes of game that we didn't really get a chance to see. Like, I mean, is he, I mean, does he have some, some passing instincts? Does he show flashes of being able to make plays off the dribble or, or in the post? Because at Kentucky, we just kind of really saw him. when he was playing with Olivier Saar so yes. they kind of had this too big rotation going. And then we all know, you know, the athleticism and the defense. Like at one point I thought he was really going to average like four blocks per game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't think it's a bad pick at all. I think <laughs> that the Hornets need to get rid of, and I, I've said it multiple times on, on every podcast that I've been on. It's like Biombo and Zeller have been there forever. Yeah, I was – living in Charlotte during the 2013-14 season, which seems like it was so long ago because the team was the Bobcats. And those two yep. guys are on the team. <laughs> That's I know Biombo left and he went to Toronto and, and got paid. And then Orlando, or I think Orlando paid him, but he had that good series against the Cavs where he got paid. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, they, they've been there forever. So I would love to see them just kind of – move on from those from those two guys and Isaiah Jackson could be the guy. I mean I would love for them to draft Shingun, but based off of your 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 mock, he's already gone. So um a big is is definitely an area that I would like to see them address. And then I would even look to swing for defenses on a guy like High Jones also. But I'm not mad at Isaiah Jackson going there.
0: Yeah, I like Kai Jones, too, and it's really, you know, if you like soda, you do you like Coke or Pepsi with those, too, right? Like, there's still soda at the end of the day, and you can't go wrong with if you're thirsty grabbing one of those, right? But I think Isaiah Jackson meets a little bit more of the pick and roll. I think that a pick and roll between he and LaMelo Ball would be outstanding in Charlotte. And, again, for Shangun, I had him. Um, so the, the way I do my um, mock draft is – based off of my long-term projections on where I evaluate these guys to be further down the line, mixed with a little bit of team fit, right? If that makes sense. So yeah. ultimately who I think they're going to be when everything's said and done mixed with a team fit, if that yeah. makes sense for the mock. So I'm, I'm pretty high on Shangoon. Um, yeah. um Isaiah Jackson, he's a different type of big. And I think that he's more of that, you know, rim, you know, uh, rim protecting big man that they need. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that,
1: Kai Jones and Isaiah Jackson are both kind of in this. we're in the same situation where I think they did not play in lineups that really showcase their strengths. Like if you look at Kai Jones's pick and roll numbers, they're pretty bad, but he was on a mm-hmm. team with Sims who was their guy and then Greg Brown, but you're not going to really get a, a good runway to the rim If you're around surrounded by guys that aren't really, you know, good floor spacers and, and like I said, Sims was their main guy. I mean, I, I know he shot yeah. like ninety six percent as the role man, and I was pretty much the only thing that he could do. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really get a chance, at least in my opinion, to see Kai Jones really show what he could do as a as a rim roller. And I feel like you can say the same for Jackson, also.
0: That's a fair point. Absolutely fair point. All right, so we'll roll on next to the twelfth pick overall here, Rafael, and I have the San Antonio Spurs taking Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, to me, he kind of feels a little bit like a Kyle Anderson type player. I don't know if you're into comparisons, but um, I really like him a lot. I think that he has a your your prototypical San Antonio Spurs type of genetic makeup. You know, he also went to Villanova, and sometimes the college means that you take a take a chance on a guy based off of you know where they come from. Sometimes that'll bite you in the butt, just like a Kentucky player will, right? So, um. I really like him a lot. I like his uh, defensive ability. I think that he could be a, a good rebounder at the next level as well and a sound decision maker. And I think there's enough there to his frame and to his you know ball handling ability to where he can grow into a little bit more than what we saw at Villanova. What do you think about um, JRE going to San Antonio?
1: Well, I think it's funny because Tankathon has him also going to the Spurs. But mm-hmm. at pick number forty-one, correct. So, <laughs> so um, this is definitely the highest I've seen Robinson Earl. I know um, my my coworker, colleague on Locked On NBA, uh, Richard Stamey from Mavs Draft, or I guess he's Mavs and Magic Draft. Yes, he is very high on on Robinson Earl. It makes me feel old though, because I remember his dad, Lester Earl. His dad was like in the dunk contest. I want to say like ninety six McDonald's game and okay. Kobe Kobe Bryant was in that game. so yeah, I mean i've I've seen him play in person at the under was it under nineteens a couple of years ago. I think he's you know, an ultimate glue guy. I think he's a guy that's gonna contribute to winning basketball, which all the guys from Villanova have. but you know at number twelve, I, that's very interesting You're, you're buying into his, his upside. I just don't know the direction that the Spurs are going in, to be honest with you. And I think like there's probably, at least in my opinion, which again, it's none of us are really right at this point. If I'm San Antonio, I'm doing like a total rebuild, but it doesn't seem like that's the direction that they're going in. So if they ended up selecting a guy like Robinson Earl, that's someone that they think is going to be able to help them try to make the playoffs right away as opposed to like a, a longer term prospect
0: yeah and I, I like that that analysis as well and and part of the reason why I had JRE going this high was because San Antonio I feel like they're kind of locked in at their guard play you know they're they're pretty deep with you know guys like Lonnie Walker, you know Derek White. Javante Murray, you know, Keldon Johnson. They they have a number of guys that can play in the backcourt. And when I'm looking at frontcourt depth, they could use a little bit of help there. So JRE isn't this high on my big board. And and Rafael, you know this right? Like your your big board and your mock draft are two totally different things. You have to consider a lot more in the mock than you do your big board.
1: That's so I, I felt like
0: yeah, <laughs> going for a going for a forward was a little bit more of a of a team need for San Antonio. But although I don't have JRE significantly lower than twelve, it's I didn't, you know, pull like for my 28th guy on my big board and slot him up here. So I am still pretty high on him. Okay. Yeah. I I you know what
1: I don't do a big board. I've never okay. done one. I usually just do a mock. And I think like a big board to me would be a lot harder. I guess I like the creative aspect of trying to pick for a team and try to put on my general general manager hat mm-hmm. and how I would select it. I think with a big board, at least for me, it was just I'd probably start one and then I have to like 40 revisions before I actually made it go public. So
0: that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do a, a number of revisions to my big board. And truth be told, Rafael whenever I look through um, what teams actually need, sometimes that does affect my big board because, you know, it if you are more talented, someone ahead of you, but there's less opportunity for you, like how much does that really affect your value? You know what I mean? So that's something that you have to consider as well. All right. So we'll roll on into 13 here, Raphael. We have the Indiana Pacers are on the clock and I have them selecting Cameron Thomas out of LSU. I'm pretty high on him. Obviously his bucket getting ability is the biggest thing that I think he's going to be able to bring to the NBA level. Um, Efficiency, not always there. But um I think that there's an interesting case, I think, for Cameron Thomas to come into the NBA in his rookie season and, and be one of the better bench players in the NBA, you know, day one. What do you think about that, Rafael?
1: I'm not as high on him as others. Okay. I, I I mean, I understand that he fills it up. I think Indiana will be a very interesting pick because I, I think Carlisle would just pull whatever's left of his hair out. <laughs> Because Cam Thomas is gonna need like I mean so much freedom. He you're gonna have to live and die with his style of play. It's an acquired taste. Mm -hmm. We all know he can score. Maybe not the most efficient. We know the ball isn't going to move. And yeah, I just think Carlisle gave Luca the keys, but Luca is you know a different type of player. So I'm curious to see. What Carlisle does in Indiana anyway. Like, I've seen some people mock Sharif Cooper going to the picture at number 14. I'm like, or, or 13. I'm like, yeah, Carlisle in point guards, there's a you know, it's known that he doesn't really get along too well with his point guard, especially ones that need a lot of freedom. He kind of had his hands tied behind his back with Luca, and Sharif needs that type of freedom. But as far as Cam Thomas, I'm mean, I think a microwave score very unique in the fact that he averaged like seven three point attempts per game, but also Mm -hmm. got to the line seven times per game. I think that he's going to fall late in the first round and he's going to end up going to one of these good teams that he can, you know, come in and and get hot in the playoff series and, and and make some winning plays for them. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, I'm just not as high on Cam Thomas. I don't don't know what he brings to the table if he's not on. And he's a scorer. He's more of a scorer than a shooter. And I think in today's NBA, it's kind of tough for guys that are more so scorers than shooters, especially if you're not like a playmaker for others.
0: And that's fine, too. I think on the kind of the other side of the coin that you were just talking about with Rick Carlisle, even though he, you know, butt's head with the guards. I would also say that he has a long history of getting the most out of pretty much any guard that he's ever put on the floor. Rondo, the exception with the (laughs) I was just about to say with the exception of Rondo, but he's an NBA champion, a veteran coming into a team. You know, that's obviously a different situation than, you Mm -hmm. know, a a rookie walking through the front door. Right. But Rondo, definitely. um, I was just about to throw that little caveat in there, but that's all well and good. All right, Raphael. So we'll roll into pick number 14 here. Uh, Golden State Warriors selecting Corey Kisper out of Gonzaga. Um, obviously, the biggest claim to fame for him is shooting. But, you know, anyone that watches him, watch any film in Gonzaga, know that there's more to him than that. You know, he's a pretty decent passer. He's a capable defender, especially in like a, a, a team system. Maybe not, you know, a, a lockdown on the perimeter type guy, but in, in the right system, especially in Gonzaga, we saw him fulfill his role there. Um Passing the ball, to he's unselfish, but he's definitely uh, a, a laser from outside. So what do you think about the fit between Corey Kispert and Golden State here? It's like a perfect situation. <laughs> I think if you look at like the
1: the most people's mock drafts, they're number one. Most people have Cade. Number two, a lot of people, it's the same guys. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen Kaminga to Orlando all the time. I've seen Scotty Barnes to Oklahoma City at number six. So I think for the most part, most people's top six is very similar. Flip flopping two and three.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then you go all the way down to 14. And it's like you see Kispert at 14. On everybody else <laughs> is mocked. And I mean, it just makes the most sense, especially for Golden State in their timeline. And the fact that, you know, they're probably looking to win now. If they Mm -hmm. can't trade the two picks for another all star caliber player. And Kispert is someone that I think is a perfect plug and play guy for their system. But what is very interesting to me is that Kispert does not, his age does not get the same knock as Duarte. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, he's younger than Duarte, but you know, with like Davion Mitchell, you hear, oh, he's an older prospect. Then you hear all these statistics about guys that are 22, drafting the lottery, don't work out. Borte, they talk about how old he is. But Kispert is not young either. <laughs> I mean, he That's was correct. a senior. But it, none of that is ever mentioned when you talk about him being a lottery pick. That's interesting to me.
0: No, it is interesting, and I had a discussion on the last show that I did with uh, Nathan Grubel of Draft Deeper on a uh, Friday when we recorded our show. And I didn't get into this discussion with those two prospects, but I would—I'm just curious to see your take on this. We hear the way that Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs are discussed. And it feels like Jalen Suggs is a senior coming out of college compared to Cade Cunningham that like he's basically just peaked. There's no more growth or development that he's going to have to his game compared to Cade. What do you think of of the way that those two are kind of dis- just or, you know, kind of contrasted?
1: Yeah, I mean, Jalen Suggs is really like the forgotten man. Like you mm-hmm. don't hear his name come up. I mean, you obviously Cade, you hear the debate of what Houston should do at two and three then, you know, you hear about Scotty Barnes possibly moving up and but it's like everybody has penciled Suggs into Toronto at number four and you don't really hear about his upside or anything like that and mm-hmm. I, I like Suggs a lot. I think he's I in, this,
0: too.
1: in this weird predicament where I don't know. It's just like he's just not being talked about and you don't hear anything about you really don't even hear anything on both sides. You don't hear about his upside and you don't hear about his flaws. You just like are not hearing about him. There's no debate about his name. You know, like with Kaminga, it's like there's a debate. Barnes or Kaminga or mm-hmm. or Barnes should be moving up. But, yeah, I mean, Suggs is just like chilling. His name doesn't come up at all.
0: I have um, Suggs, according to my board, and where I think he should be drafted. I have him second overall to Houston because I think think he's a glue guy. You know, he's a a culture setter. You know, he's going to be a guy, and and that's something that Houston desperately needs. But we'll continue on with the rest of this um, segment of the show, and we will go on to pick number 15 here with Zaire Williams going to the Washington Wizards. Uh, Washington's in a unique situation because – Will they, won't they trade either one of their dynamic guards? They have a first-time head coach. If they trade, do they look to kind of swing for the fences with the pick? And I think Zaire has the potential to be one of these, you know, home run hitting type guys. You know, obviously, if you just look at his sole season at Stanford and you measure him up to the other guys that are ahead of him or even a couple behind him, he doesn't exactly measure up pound for pound there. But he showed flashes, I believe, at Stanford of what he could be. Um, he played with a really good... um uh, player uh, at least collegiate player and Oscar Desiva, who I have as a second round pick in this year's draft. But um, what do you think about Zaire Zy- Williams overall as a prospect? And then obviously here at 15 to Washington,
1: <laughs> this is the one guy that is either going to make or break my draft. Either. I'm going to look like the biggest idiot in the world. Or I'm going to look like a genius I just did not like what I saw. Mm -hmm. I am a a believer of I judge players on what I saw on film in college, not high school. And the numbers were brutal. 37% from the floor, 29% from three. I saw a guy that did not attack the basket. I saw a guy that struggled with physicality. I saw some flashes of possibly being a playmaker, but his turnovers outnumbered his assists I, I know you can fall in love with the with the height and the size and all that, but I'm just thinking like if we did not know who he was coming into this draft, we did not know, you know, about the Sierra Canyon Zaire Williams. We did yeah. not know about you know AU, and I, I, I'll say this: yes, he started the season injured. I know he had that huge knee brace on. hurt it was from like a bicycling accident. I know he had some things off the court as far as like, you know, with Stanford being like a team on the road that may have had an impact mm-hmm. on, his, on his numbers overall, but yeah, take away the fact that we knew who he was take away the fact that he was a projected lottery pick coming into the season. If we just go by the film, there's no way, in my opinion, my Rafael Barlow opinion, there's no way that he had a better season than Trey Murphy.
0: You yeah. I love so, Trey Murphy too.
1: So that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out is that why are we taking Zaire Williams over Trey Murphy? Yes, everyone says, okay, yeah, Trey Murphy is 21 and Zaire Williams is 19. Mm-hmm. I just think that Trey Murphy is – he has a, a skill set. You know what I'm saying? Like he has yeah. a specific role – He's athletic. I mean, maybe not as creative with the ball, yeah. but yeah, just I, I, I would take Trey Murphy over Zaire Williams. And in case of Washington, this is another franchise where I do not know their direction, right? So, you know, I, I saw the reports that came out today that Bradley Bill may ask for a trade before the draft.
0: Yeah, to go Westbrook play with Jason Tatum, right? Yeah,
1: Westbrook isn't getting any younger. So if that's the case, then yeah, you you just can swing for the fences because they're going to be in 100% rebuild mode. If they're not in rebuild mode, then I don't think Zaire is going to be able to come in and contribute at all right away. And he plays the same position as Denny and Rui, in in, in my opinion. And then they also have um, Bertans there. So I don't really know if there's a lot of minutes that will be available for him. And I can't say, at least in... To my knowledge, Washington is a team that has really done a good job of developing in the G League. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sh- sh- sure about if that would be the best fit for him anyway, because I thought like it was a bad fit for Denny. Denny is a point forward, in my opinion, and they just had him <laughs> in the corner. I don't know if there's a worse fit for Denny than to go to the Wizards, where shooting was like the one knock on him and he goes to a team where he stands in a corner. He has to shoot.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'm going off the notion of, you know, that there is a little bit of fire to the smoke that we're seeing that players are out. And I think for Washington, it's kind of the reason why I think that I have Jonathan Kaminga to Orlando is a little bit of a swing for the fences move. You bank on the potential you bank on, you know, and we've seen this, in Orlando, too, right? Where Cole Anthony, I feel, is a better pro than he was a collegiate player. You know, sometimes the scheme doesn't necessarily fit the system. And Stanford really hasn't taken these kind of like one, you know, these like super high school stars, especially like on the perimeter side, mm-hmm. and done a great job with their scheme developing them on that aspect you know a lot of their great perimeter players kind of stay there for a couple seasons as opposed to being a one and done type school so that's kind of the the reasoning for my um, my process there but, but you know what I, I this is how i feel about that okay
1: i hold that against the kid i know it's not fair in a sense to hold a, a kid accountable for the decision that he made as a teenager mm-hmm. but college is the one time other than you know or i'll put it like this college is the last time other than unrestricted free agency where you get a chance to pick your teammates pick Mm -hmm. your coach pick the system yeah and you know i think a lot of times kids fall in love with the recruiting process or or a particular coach that recruited them but don't pay attention to the history or the players around them or or Mm -hmm. the scheme so I think, like, when 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 guys go to different schools, especially, like, a highly, highly regarded player, and they go to schools and, and it's not the best fit, that's that was their choice. You know? Yeah. Like, Cole Anthony, I like Cole. And, yeah, the reason why he struggled finishing at the rim was because North Carolina had no floor spacing. Mm-hmm. And if he goes to a team – I mean, he couldn't help his injury. But maybe if he chose a different school, he chose a school where they had some floor spacing – then he finishes better at the rim and then he's probably you know a top 7 or 8 pick <laughs> so i felt like he played a role in why he he didn't look as good as he was expected to look
0: and i won't argue that point at all rafael you're 100% right i'm just other factors that may have gone into that as to why he yeah. didn't perform maybe up to standards so i'm I- looking at it
1: as an as an adult and a grown man as opposed to you know, I probably would have made a similar <laughs> decision if I was seventeen <laughs> or eighteen.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'd I wouldn't know how to act if I had a hundred people coming to my door trying to get me to go play basketball for their school. So yeah, yeah that's interesting. So Rafael, you just mentioned this young man. Um Oklahoma City's on the clock. I think that um Trey Murphy coming to Oklahoma City. I think that Thunder fans would be ecstatic. You know, he's got a great NBA frame, uh, played at Virginia. Um, so by definition, you know, he's gonna come in and be used to f- playing in a team system. He's not really gonna come in and look to be, you know, the the day one pound my chest. I'm the man type player. He plays great defense. He's gonna be able to catch some pretty good looks from Shea Gugas Alexander, space the floor, help this team in a lot of areas that they were deficient on last season. Uh this is a guy though, too, Rafael, that a lot of people I think are steadily moving him up the boards. Uh, What do you think about overall Trey Murphy going to Oklahoma City? Is he
1: he too old for Oklahoma City at (laughs) 21?
0: He might be too good for their draft picks too, right? Yeah. Yeah. um, I
1: I like Trey Murphy. He has risen up my board just because I've had a chance now to really like watch him and actually just released my Trey Murphy scouting video. Yeah. I Put it up this morning, I believe. Like all my days are kind of running together. (laughs) And Trey is a guy who, if I'm his agent, if I'm in charge of his, his, I don't know, his whole draft process, I am keeping him away from the Thunder. (laughs) I'd rather him fall to like one of these playoff teams where he's going to be able to come in and like play a big role. And that's where he was actually slotted at going like prior to like two weeks ago. So, I mean, just think of him like, going to the Lakers or the Clippers or the Nuggets or Nets mm-hmm. or Sixers, Suns, you know, or even New York or yeah, Atlanta. Makes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's like if I'm Trey Murphy's agent, I'm hoping like, okay, I'd rather you fall to 17 to the Grizzlies or 19, 19 other than like the two Rockets picks. But for the Thunder, it it, it makes sense. I mean, he's – I mean, any, any pick that they have makes sense because – they have the the luxury of gambling on whoever and then if he ends up being too good and starts to help them win then you can ship him out for <laughs> some other six yeah a <laughs> um, uh, contender that 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 needs shooting which every team really needs shooting especially from a guy that's like six nine that can probably play two through four in certain mm-hmm. lineups so yeah I, I like to pick a lot i just i wonder like with the thunder are they gonna take somebody that's like 19.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. And I think, too, it depends on what they do with their their first pick, right, uh, at, at six. And I think that that will give us an indication as to what their draft model is going to look like for this year. Yep. Um, ultimately, though, I think the the Thunder, they at some point, Raphael, they have to actually have to. just have basketball players, right? Like, they can't <laughs> just have draft picks, right?
1: Yeah, and that's what I... I, I've been saying like there's no way you can have was it like 17 picks in the next whatever like no this way they have, what, do that. six
0: this year, right?
1: Yeah, something crazy. But <laughs> I thought of it from a perspective as a general manager. All right. So mm-hmm. let's say I'm Sam Presty and I want job security. I just do this public rebuild, and you're not gonna get fired. He's gonna he's gonna get a contract extension. <laughs> Again, and he's going to be able to, I mean, when it's all said and done, he's going to be like the general manager for like 20-something years. Yeah. And this has given him plenty of time to gamble. (laughs) So there's no pressure. The fans know that, you know, the team isn't going to be winning anytime soon. So he can really just, I mean, just swing for the fences. Anybody that like Sharif Cooper is such a divisive prospect. You know, either yeah. you like him or you, or you think that he's too small. If he works out, then he's gonna be someone that fills your arena. If I'm saying I'm, I'm just <laughs> taking the gamble on, on um, the guy with the highest upside, as opposed to like a plug and play guy. But it mm-hmm. would make sense to like trade or draft Murphy, and then you try to package him to philly for two picks in 20 <laughs> 2023
0: and 2025 right yeah avoiding that stipend rule that they have there and um good friend of the show zach ramey just wrote in and says out of the 17 that he has he just has to hit twice and he's you know a genius of a general manager yep. i think that's his uh, master plan there yep. all right so um we'll move on to pick 17 here and just to be completely upfront and honest with you, Raphael, we don't really know each other that well yet. But you know, as we keep dialoguing and uh, continuing this process working with one another, um, Moses Moody uh, goes to University of Ark or he went to University of Arkansas, I should say. That's where I'm from. That's my my home state of Arkansas. So just Woo Pig complete- Suey. Woo pig Suey, baby. Yeah, it was a great run. Love Coach Must. I'm on the must bus and uh, we're we're still doing some great recruiting out there, but I'm I'm going to just be completely transparent. I love Moses Moody. So I, with the teams and the players and the people that I love the most, I can I have a tendency to be a little bit more critical. Not going to lie to you. The NCAA tournament had a lot to do with um, my placement of him on my big board and ultimately where I would select him if I was a general manager. I love I get the fact that he's, you know, an aesthetically pleasing prospect. I know that he can come in and be a capable slasher, develop into you know a really, really good three point shooter. Even, you know, kind of maybe even a tertiary playmaker and, uh, you know, creator for others. So the Memphis Grizzlies are on the clock here at 17, Raphael. They select Moses Moody. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I don't see him falling this far because everybody seems to love Moody. Mm -hmm. He might be like the one prospect that everybody loves. You're the first person that I've heard that doesn't think he's like the greatest thing ever. Like everybody (laughs) thinks he's like a top five guy. Yeah plug and play i think he's a good shooter i think it was he was at like 38% I'll let people tell it you think he shot 45% <laughs>
0: yeah he was uh, i think last i looked 38.6% yeah. oh that was from the free throw line excuse me there yep that was free throw percentage was uh oh i'm sorry i'm looking at the yeah. wrong thing yeah that was from the three point line
1: yep, yep. so yeah i it's kind of a boring prospect to me to watch. <laughs> You're not going to really get great. Moses movie moody, moody highlights, mm. but I'm, I actually want to flip the question to you. Why are you lower? I mean, you haven't going 10 spots lower than a lot of different mocks. Is it, I mean, how much did the tournament weigh in your, your, your choice as opposed to what you saw throughout the, the whole season?
0: So I think, you know, I don't know how much that you view the NCAA tournament as a factor as to you know the 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 stock of a player, but just seeing him, the team play so well with him being absolutely you know <laughs> kind of void of production, um, it really weighed down on me a lot. And again, you, how I don't know how much you would weigh that to the next level, but that's the way I look at it. Is like okay, you're playing against kind of the best of the best, mm-hmm. um, the SEC. They're, you know, they're a football school or or football conference first. You know, they have decent teams and it's predominantly just an athletic conference. Right. You know, you have a lot of just, you know, size and speed. And, you know, hopefully a basketball game can break out every once in a while. Right. But um, (laughs) I think that Moody, he has a very fluid game. But I think at the next level, I don't know if, if I trust his handle to develop into what a lot of people are seeing it to be. Um, that three point percent is that you were saying you would think that he was, you know, a plus 40 percent from deep guy. Um, The size, I think, is what everyone is falling in love with. And I just I don't know how much of the things that he's lacking on in his game already, how much you can look at that and kind of trust that he's going to improve those things on top of what he's already going to bring to the table, if that makes sense. So h- what makes you like Zaire? Mm-hmm. Over
1: Moody, when Moody was way more productive,
0: yeah, and, and and that's that's a fair assessment. I like Zaire for the for the upside, and particularly with Washington there. Um, but that that's a fair point. To be one hundred percent transparent with you, the the comparison between Williams and Moody, I just think that coming into the collegiate season where Zaire was uh, ultimately projected to go, I think that sometimes like we had mentioned before, right? Like where he go, where he goes to Stanford and it's not really like a, a good fit per se for him. I think that that has a lot to do with where he was deficient in his lone season in college. But, um, Moody, again, just to be completely transparent, this why I led with the, uh, sometimes I'm harder on the teams that I like and the players that I like themselves and a uh, fear for trying to be biased, maybe creeping in a little bit there. Um, I just don't know if if Moody, like you said, if he's going to be that top five type player. And if he's not going to be that top five player, then where does he fall compared to everybody else? Are you a Grizzlies fan? I'm not a Grizzlies fan. Oh, okay, I, was about to say, I know they the
1: state's border. So I thought, <laughs> okay, maybe you're being biased and then you're pushing him down. So so gonna trying to, to talk to him down grizzlies.
0: to my team picking him. There you <laughs> yeah. go. No, that's, that's not the case. Um, I'm not really a... Uh, I'm more of a player guy than I than I am a team, team guy, guy in the NBA. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I
1: think Moody is I definitely think he's gonna end up being a top 10 pick. But that's why I love these shows and these and these podcasts and listening to everybody's take. Like even on my YouTube channel, when I have different guests come on and give their mock drafts, people, are like, oh my god, that guy is stupid, never have him <laughs> on as a guest again. I'm like, none none of us. No, this is all about our opinions, and I value everyone's opinion in the draft, no matter how crazy it is, because, I mean, just think, maybe in 2013, there may have been one person in the world that was like, Giannis should be the number one pick in the draft, and I'm sure everybody was like, oh my gosh, who? who, This guy, he played third division Greece, yada, yada, yada. That person is right, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... Uh, that's that's why you, you never know. I mean, there's probably somebody out there that thought Devin Booker was going to be a superstar. Mm-hmm. There was somebody that thought, I mean, this is – I consider him a friend that obviously thought Anthony Bennett was deserving of being the number one pick. <laughs> so this is why I, I love having these conversations, and I love coming on different shows and talking about the draft because I just enjoy hearing other people's opinion. And most of the times, I would say nine times out of ten – the reason why a person is high or low on the prospect, they usually have valid points. And Mm -hmm. it's up to like me or the other person who's listening to decide which of their points do we hold the most stock in. So everything you said about Moses Moody is correct. (laughs) And it's, but it's just, you know, a matter of opinion. So one of the things I'll say to you is I love the fact that you're, Mock draft doesn't look like anybody else's.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I I think that the people that actually like dive into the draft, you know, you're not going to get the same kind of almost cut and paste and maybe move a player up or down a spot that what you kind of see mainstream wise, the people that, you know, that dive in, you know, analyze the film and try to see, you know, what skills translate well to the next level, which ones don't. That's where you see the greater variance between you know that what their boards look like compared to what others do. Right. So, yeah. um, I appreciate that. Yeah. So now the Oklahoma city thunder back on the clock here, pick 18. Um, this, this guy's a pretty polarizing prospect as well. Josh giddy. Um, a lot of people are kind of high on him. Maybe some are lower. Um, but I have the Oklahoma city thunder at 18, taking him here. Uh, you know, the young man of Australia, people are really big on his playmaking ability, especially at his size. Um, I'm not so much of a big fan of him. That's why he's kind of at this 18 range to me. Um, What are your overall thoughts about Josh Giddey here, Raphael?
1: I I like him. I like really creative playmakers. Now, there are some concerns about the foot speed and the shot and, you know, him getting stronger, Mm -hmm. but I like what he brings to the table. Fit is going to be important for him. I think he thrives and it's weird because he's like this guy that's like non-athletic, but he thrives in the open court system. You know, usually when you think of a guy that thrives in transition or playing fast, you think of like a a high flyer guy that's, you know, going to run the lanes in a break. But Giddy is a guy that I think that he obviously, like I said, he he is at his best in transition. He's a guy that can be a triple-double threat guy that, you know, if you're a, guy, uh, a player that likes to shoot or a player that likes to cut, you got to keep your head up and your hands ready because he's going to find you. I have seen the talk about him being a top 10 pick. I've seen some people have him like number five on their board. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you really look at the numbers, just the numbers weren't too far off from mellows and you know, mellow went what third in the draft and giddy is all over the place. I mean, I think Melo has more upside as a, isolation shot creator, like at the end of the shot clock and more dancey with the ball. And, you know, obviously like a better athlete, but yeah, I mean, I think like with this pick for Oklahoma city, it, it, it makes sense. You know, (laughs) it makes a lot of sense because they're just swinging for the fences. And like, uh, like your, your, your listener said out of all the 17, he has to hit just twice and he's a genius. And Giddy is someone that is a high upside guy. If, if it all pans out, then you have like this big six, eight playmaker that you have on the floor at Polkoszewski. And you got two oversized guys that can just kind of make everyone better and, and so much versatility. So I like the pick. I, I like it a lot.
0: Well, yeah. And I appreciate that. And I think too, it kind of the same thing that you just pointed to, it's a swing for the fences type move. Um, and obviously the, the comparison that you made between him and LaMelo M- is kind of why when I'm looking at him and I am comparing him, I was a little bit lower on Melo than than others were. And when I say a little bit lower, I think I had him as my fourth best prospect last year, mm-hmm. as opposed, you know, a lot of people had him anywhere from one to three. Um, I was just a little bit lower. I had Halliburton or no, I, I'm sorry, I had him three. I had Halliburton four, but I was almost at the point where I was ready to flop those two. But um, I think why I'm kind of hesitant to where I have Giddy here, the thing kind of keeping me up at night, so to speak, if you will, with his placement is because I wasn't as high on mellow as others were. And he kind of proved me wrong. So I'm kind of curious to see if this is going to be the same thing with Giddy, but I do think that the, you know, how much different athletes they are just like at a speed and a, you know, just, I think even strength right now, you know, relative to their size, I think that's going to, the biggest difference between the two players.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I agree with what Zach uh, Zachary Ramsey is saying. He does mm-hmm. make all the reads. I mean, phenomenal passer. And yeah, I, what I like the most about him is he's a creative passer. Like he's not afraid to whip these one-hand live dribble passes in tight spaces. And I love creativity, whether it's as a passer or as a shot creator. I love guys that just have like this irrational confidence <laughs> so to speak so yeah i i agree I, I do think that he's a he's a phenomenal passer as far as like his foot speed i think that if he were more creative as a scorer like mm-hmm. Luca, for example everybody thought Luca was too slow but he has the you know he has the ball handling to kind of get you off balance and then he's Big, you know what I'm saying? Like Lucas, and I've seen Luca in person. I did media for the Mavs, he's a big dude. (laughs) So, as far as like strength wise, like I mean, we've seen him bully and we've seen like him kind of get to his spots against some of the best defenders in the league. Giddy doesn't have that strength yet. And I mean, he's obviously younger, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I I like to pick there.
0: Excellent. All right, so we'll transition now into team 19 and you know, if anyone who knows the the off the ball network, which is where I contribute to that this is probably the most important pick on the board here, Raphael. We have a lot of Knicks fans at the <laughs> off the ball network. And right now at night team, I have them slated to take Trey Mann out of Florida. Um, you know, he's a bigger guard coming out of there. I like his ability to pass. He's a he's a good he's a pretty effective scorer as well. Um, what do you think of the fit between Trey Mann and the New York Knicks here?
1: Well, if you saw the Knicks in the playoffs, you saw they need scoring, mm-hmm. and they could have used another shooter. And that's what Trey Mann does. Has this unique ability to create his own shot from three. Like I want to say, I think like over sixty-five percent of his threes were off the dribble that he shot. They weren't assisted, and he still shot forty percent from three. So he's a, mm-hmm. I mean, a plus-level shot creator. May not be like the great athlete that, you know, you look for in a, in a point guard or whatever. It doesn't have like this great speed that allows him to get downhill. But you can tell that he he's known that he doesn't have this speed where he can just blow by guys on straight line drives. So he does have some creativity. He does, he does know how to get to his spots and pull up. I think that he's a, I mean, I think that he would be a, a, a pretty good fit there. The question is, is he, like, really a point? Like, can he play point in the NBA? How much of a difference is it between him and, and Quickly? And I think New York probably – I mean, it probably will address it in free agency, but finding, like, a an engine, a guy that's going to be their engine. So I think to fit what – it makes sense for, like, some of the areas that New York needs as far as, like, scoring and shooting – but yeah, I just wonder, like, as far as, like, is he the – can he be that engine that
0: runs the the team? Fair point. So, if you were in New York at this position and you could pick between Trey Mann and maybe another point guard, if, you, or if you're not feeling Trey Mann, is there another guy that you project to be here that you think would be a better fit?
1: No. <laughs> no, not really. Maybe okay. Sharif. Maybe Sharif. I'd have to look and see who's, uh, if if it's a CAA guy. <laughs>
0: like, oh, there you go. Yeah. So whoever is
1: <laughs> in this range and they're represented by CAA, which I saw Usman Garuba. Is, okay. He's represented by uh, Leon Rose's son. And if they draft another power forward that <laughs> is represented by CAA, then that tells just tells all that we need to know. So, uh, but no, I, I would, if I'm the Knicks at, at this particular position, I would go with, I would go with Trey, man, Jared Butler makes sense there. But I wonder, even though he's, he's been, I guess, past the physical or he's set mm-hmm. up to play. I wonder our team's going to do their own testing with their own team doctors And see if it's worth the risk. I know Michael Porter Jr.'s situation was a little bit different because it was like a back injury as opposed Mm -hmm. to a heart. But there were some teams that said he was undraftable. Like, I I think the Clippers were like, he's not going to last too long. And, you know, I mean, imagine if they would have had him instead of, I think they drafted Jerome Robinson over him. Yes.
0: Mm Yeah. They had (laughs) Jerome and Shea out of that draft for the Clippers there. So, all right, well, speaking of Jared Butler, we're going to roll into the last pick that we're going to be discussing here on the show, Um, the Atlanta Hawks. I have them taking Jared Butler here, and there's a number of ways they could go. The Hawks are in a a pretty, I think they're in an envious spot to where they have a a pick that they can still do something with here, but they have depth all over. And if you look at the pick or the, the signings that they had and even the trade to bring in Lou Williams. I think their biggest concern is their reserve point guard spot, right? Because you have a basically two of everything else. That's why I think Jared Butler coming in, especially as kind of a, a win-now type player, right? Like this is a point of the draft where you start adding guys to where, you know, let's build upon what we did last year. I think Butler does that, especially as, you know, um, another playmaker, um, uh, maybe even a shooter and, and a point of attack defender as well. What do you think of Butler here to Atlanta? I think it makes sense
1: because that's the only position that I could see them addressing throughout the draft. You don't need another wing. <laughs> My guy, you don't <laughs> need another wing at all. Um, depending on what happens with John Collins,
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe if they decide not to bring him back, then you could look at a another four, maybe a, another shooter. But, I but maybe you can
0: still just slide Hunter to be your starting four, depending on what you want to do philosophy-wise with your team there too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, point guard is the one position that I would you know, <laughs> like to see them address. And Butler would be an ideal fit because he could play on or off the ball. He could put mm-hmm. in lineups with Trey. You could have him run the second unit. So I think it makes – the most sense. And if he's available, then, you know, you, you got to take him. And the fact that on one hand, they do have the luxury of swinging for the fences for a guy. But at the end of the day, I imagine that, I mean, they are ahead of schedule mm-hmm. as far as like in their rebuild. I know the goal for this year was to make the playoffs and they ended up going a lot further. And you can yep. say that, you know, injuries played a part in that or, or, whatever just like any other year
0: right like injuries happen
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah. but uh i I, honestly i don't think they'd be expected to go i don't think they'd be a favorite to go to the conference finals next year if everybody's based off what we know today if Mm -hmm. everybody's healthy i think people are going to expect a a bucks uh nets or you know maybe you know whatever happens with philly so um but yeah, I mean, so I think having a guy that can come in and and contribute right away, that's a little bit older, that has one even though it is on the college level, I think Butler would make a lot of sense there.
0: Yeah, and I think that he's uh he seems like a Nate McMillan type guy too, really. He just seems like that the player that Nate McMillan would be able to coach up to be a a very serviceable pro. Mm-hmm. All right, Raphael, well um that's going to wrap up our picks 11 through 20 here on the mock draft, my second uh, annual one that I've produced. I appreciate you, uh, coming on and kind of going back and forth with me on this. And obviously you did in a respectful way. And I I very much appreciate your, uh, your, uh, your willingness to come on and do so. Um, before we close out, I just want to get, um, your overall take on who are some of the players that you're not as high on and who are, who are some players that you're looking at that maybe the consensus is a little bit lower on.
1: Uh, I think we've mentioned him. (laughs) Zaire Zaire is one of the guys that, like I Mm -hmm. said, he's going to make me either look like a genius or an idiot because I have not (laughs) been high on him at all throughout this process. Um, I'm trying to think who else. That's probably the main guy. And I know I I have made a a comment about Scotty Barnes, that he's a a glue guy. Mm -hmm. And I think most people see him as a glue guy. And my comment is, like, since when are glue guys projected top five picks? Yeah,
0: (laughs) I I saw that. Yeah. So
1: um, now I like Scotty Barnes. I'm not saying I don't think he's worthy of being selected in a top five or six, but I've just never heard of a guy that nobody's projecting him to be like this superstar or this guy that could possibly be like this franchise go to guy. Mm-hmm. as a top five i can't think of the last time i've, I've heard that maybe well 2015 yeah.
0: i have a mock to go ninth to sacramento i think that that would be a great marriage with the guards that they have there the the need of another perimeter defender or even a post defender depending on who he's lined up against that. and he can be the kind of that tertiary playmaker i think that that would be an ideal role for him and that's why i like
1: your your mock It's different like it's mm-hmm not like anyone else's and i just respect guys that think outside the box and you've thought outside the box you're gonna get criticized for it
0: <laughs> i'm cool with that I'm, yeah so hey um, man i've been married for 10 years i've been i've been wrong a lot so you know oh, uh,
1: wow <laughs> <laughs> shout out to you uh, 10 shout years shout out is- to my wife
0: <laughs> <laughs> but all right Raphael, man i really appreciate your time um Thanks for coming on to the show. You know, hopefully we'd love to you know, have you on again Anytime. and uh, look Anytime. forward to exchanging, um, you know, pleasantries over the draft and, you know, who went where and, you know, kind of gauging to see how you feel about, you know, the way it happened. But before we go, I just want to give you an opportunity to let the people know where they can find you, follow you on social media and whatnot and uh, where they can get a hold of your your material.
1: Yeah. So thanks again for having me on. And when I say anytime you want me on as a guest, I mean it. So just reach out to me and I'll I'll find a way to make it happen. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at Barlow, B-A-R-L-O-W-E-500, and my YouTube channel is NBA Draft Junkies. I have this ridiculous goal that I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it now. I had a goal of of I think I wanted to do like anywhere between 75 to hundred prospect videos for mm-hmm. draft for the guys projected to get drafted. Looking at my board, I got 34 left to do. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get 34 videos done in the next six days or not even six days, five days. I so, was going to
0: say, I think you get a little bit less than that now.
1: Yeah. So, and then, um, yeah. So, and then the, the big, Thing for me, like I mentioned earlier, locked on is having a live draft show, and I'll be you know hosting with chat for it. It's still kind of surreal to me in a sense because I set a goal for myself that I wanted to be on somebody's TV show. I mm-hmm. was thinking maybe like I don't know, maybe like a segment, and they're asking me about you know different draft picks or who the sleeper is in this draft, or maybe even like a segment. On like I don't know. I'm not going to name a station, but just a segment, saying wanting to know the international prospects because that's kind of like the niche I've made for myself as Mm -hmm. another international guy since I lived over in Europe for a year and I've lived in different parts of the world. And here it is. I am getting more than what I had thought about. So at the minimum, I would just say to people like, you know what, if you have a goal or a dream, write it down, speak it into existence. And if you put in the work, then you know, don't be surprised if someone reaches out to you and, and makes it happen because I'm a, a living witness that that's happened because with this Locked On, it's like a, a real live draft show. I mean, they're using like a studio here in Dallas. They're bringing Chad Ford from Hawaii to Dallas and, you know, to be live on the Locked On, I don't know if it's, I have to check if it's their Locked On NBA channel or I think it is, so Locked On NBA channel, and uh, it's going to be on like, Amazon and different like over-the-top networks. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, yeah, that's, that's the big thing. So if you want some alternate draft coverage, I'm not expecting anybody to like watch Locked On NBA <laughs> as opposed to ESPN. But if you're looking for alternate coverage, then I'm sure the link will be available after the draft also. But that's where I'll be on draft next.
0: That's excellent stuff. And I subscribe to the Locked On Network. I love it a lot. Um, please tell Chad from, you know, the Breaking the Game show and the Off the Ball Network that we all say aloha to him. You know, I, I know that he likes to lead off his shows with the uh, aloha yeah. you know, before he, he does the show. So um, that's awesome, man. I'm super happy for you. Um, know that we don't know each other that well but you know i've i've kind of kept there's people that i just like i kind of keep an eye on and i saw where you got your opportunity and i was super thrilled for you man like that's that's just a tremendous um you know that's just getting your dues you know respected back to you right for all the hard work that you do so that's awesome stuff and thank you so much for um being able to come on the show today anytime anytime just let me know Absolutely, man. Well, all right. So for everyone who's um, watching, listening, thank you so much for your time. As always, it's much appreciated. Just want to remind everyone that support for Breaking the Game is brought to, is you know powered by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com, buy anything that you want. But before you check out, enter in promo code BTG. That'll let them know that I sent you and we're pretty good friends. So they'll hook you up with a 20% discount and free shipping on anything that you want. Also too, I contribute for the Off the Ball Network and we are sponsored by MyBookie. They do up to 50% matching of your first deposit and up to $1,000 in cash That's one of the highest, if not the highest, you know, offers that you can get in that business. They have 48 hour return on your deposits and, you know, just go ahead and make a bet. Let's win together. But thank you all so much for tuning in for your support. Um, Please go and follow everything that Rafael is doing. He's one of the best in the game. That's why I was super excited whenever he agreed to come on the show today. But we will catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody.